Brady did not feel a closeness to the university or the football program after he graduated, and he was estranged from Michigan for more than a decade, but came back to address the team before the 2013 season. And in 2016, he returned during his Deflategate suspension to attend his first game at the Big House since his final home game of his final year in 1999. Jim Harbaugh, who by then was the Michigan coach, made Brady the honorary captain for the game. When he came back in 2013, it was at the request of Coach Brady Hoke, a former defensive assistant who Tom Brady had been close to in his time at Michigan. He stood in front of the team before the season and ad-libbed a powerful speech. Here it is. I didn't have an easy experience. I didn't have come in as a top-rated recruit. I didn't come in with the opportunity to play right away. I had to earn it. And you know what the greatest honor I've ever received as a player is? In my fourth year and my fifth year, I was named team captain. That, to this day, is the single greatest achievement I've ever had as a football player. Because the men in this room chose me to lead their team. And these were my best friends. These were the guys that that knew that I liked to work, that knew that I loved football, that knew that I loved to play, that knew that I wanted to be the quarterback for Michigan. And all the lessons that I learned here on State Street and in the big house, that's still what I bring to practice today. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in Bucks Nation to today's episode of Locked on Bucks podcast brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are real the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Made for football watching. I am David Harrison, one half of the normal hosting duo here at the Lockdown Bucks podcast. James Yarko off for this episode. You can find he and I both on Twitter. James at JYarko underscore Bucks. Find me at DHarrison82. We both cover your Tampa Bay Buccaneers here on the Lockdown Podcast Network and for SB Nation at BucksNation.com. That audio that you just heard was from a Tom Brady speech to the Michigan football team from episode two of The GOAT, Tom Brady, a podcast series from my guest on today's episode, Gary Myers. Gary has been covering the NFL since 1978, worked on the Cowboys beat on HBO's Inside the NFL, has hosted This Week in Football since 2002. Uh, in addition to all that, he's also penned multiple books, including Brady versus Manning, the untold story of the rivalry that transformed the NFL, and really, guys, so much more. Gary, thank you for joining me here on the Locked On Books podcast to talk about one of your latest projects, uh, the, po- the podcast titled The Goat Tom Brady from Diversion Podcast and iHeartRadio. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, David. How are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing awesome. And Gary, uh, you've got decades of experience, just like we kind of chronicled there. And really, you know, that short paragraph really doesn't even explain all the work you put into this business. Uh, and I'm sure that you've got a library's worth of notes and interview recordings. What made 2020 the year for you to release all of this previously unheard content interview material about Tom Brady? The, the company that I'm working with, Diversion Podcasts, is, is really getting into uh, sports podcasts now. So um, they asked me back over the summer... If, um, if I wanted to kind of use my Brady versus Manning book 
as the foundation for doing a podcast uh, about Tom, in which I'd be able to use a lot of the interviews that I did for my book and and use them on the podcast. So I thought it was a great opportunity for, for people to get to listen to some of these interviews that I did. Um, it, it really brings my book to life, although the book was really, you know, 50-50 between Brady and Manning, and this podcast is just about Tom. There's, there's so many interviews I did for the book that um, were just about Tom, including, you know, Peyton talking about Tom, that, uh, you know, it's one thing to read the book, and I hope people have had an opportunity to do that. It's another thing to be able to listen to these interviews and 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 listen to the, the context that they were in and and the inflection in Tom's voice and and others as well. So, and it was really, it's the first time I've ever hosted a podcast. So out of all the things I've done in, in my career, and, you know, you mentioned a lot of them, this is something I had not done. Um, and I thought it was a real challenge and a great opportunity. And I hope people who have been listening to it have been enjoying it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a great project to to listen to and, and very compelling stuff, very interesting stuff. And obviously, specifically to what I'm doing today, covering the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and Tom Brady joining them, it's obviously got a new layer of interest for me. But I mean, even without that added to it, it's just it's just very compelling stuff. And Gary, right off the top of the first episode, uh, you talk about Bill Belichick essentially pushing Tom Brady out of New England. Um, of course, a, a report that gained a lot of attention and traction from you during the offseason involving uh, Josh McDaniels and their relationship with his relationship with Tom Brady. You go a bit deeper into that report in the Brady versus Manny episode of your series. Uh, but for our listeners who may not have been paying attention to all the storylines as Tom Brady got ready to leave New England and that situation all that closely, can you kind of expand on that report? Uh, I know you don't want to you know reveal the the source of that report, and that's that's understandable. But can you kind of expand a little bit on that report, the the reporting of the uh, what you were being told, and then kind of the responses you got? Sure. Um... You know, when Tom, first of all, I was really surprised that Tom left New England, uh, despite, you know, all the rumors and speculation about things he was unhappy with, because I I just always looked at Tom as a guy who really valued playing for the Patriots and making the Patriots the only team he ever played for. We know in this era of the NFL, you know, that's a rarity now. Um, And as the, after he just announced that he wasn't, going to be returning to New England then a day or so later that he was going to go to the Bucks. everybody started listing the reasons that he was unhappy there, that he never got market value, that Belichick didn't want him back, that he had a bad relationship with Belichick, that he realized the Patriots run was over because it was they were kind of entering a, a transition phase. There weren't enough skill position players. But then I had, um, then I had somebody who I considered to be an excellent source call me and said, everybody's missing one key element to this. And I said, what's that? And he just said that his relationship with Josh McDaniels, although on a personal level, it remained very good and they are good friends on a professional level, it deteriorated to the point in 2019 that Tom just didn't want to stay there anymore and work with Josh. Now he didn't rank all the reasons that Tom left, he just said that was definitely a contributing factor that people had overlooked. I tend to always want to double source things. And whereas I knew this person um, wouldn't have told me this if it wasn't true. And I know where he got it from. And I was very comfortable with that. I, I was able to uh, double check it and get it confirmed. And really just on Twitter, 
because I'm not writing for the New York Daily News anymore. I just put it out there that almost exactly like I just told it to you, David, that um, of all the reasons that Tom left and I listed them, you know, one thing had been overlooked and I explained what happened there, that he wasn't getting the input into the game plans that he felt he was having before, that he was um, really unhappy with the skill positions, players around him, and that, you know, he and Josh were kind of at each other more than they had been in the past. And the reaction to that was really overwhelming to the point that Tom on Instagram took a really uh, pointed shot at me uh, and said, you know, which people would be more, either more responsible or accountable, some, some, something like that. And he, he knows me well enough that he knows I'm really responsible uh, and, and take my job very seriously that I wouldn't have put something like that out there unless I was really confident of the information. And, and even today, um, all these months later, I stand by it um, that I, I really believe that his relationship with Josh McDaniels uh, was not what it was and certainly was a contributing factor to him leaving. To know who Tom Brady truly is, you have to go through his history and the GOAT Tom Brady by Gary Myers does that and way more. Of course, we've also got the future to be concerned about. And we'll be back Monday to take a look at how the rest of the NFC South fared in their week 13 games and how that impacts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving forward. Today, though, we're going to go back a little with Gary and try to see how Tom Brady's history plays into what will happen in the final four games of 2020 here in a moment as we wrap up the bye week here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The greatest rivalries in sports, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, who had three of the greatest fights in history. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, who seemed to face off in the playoffs every year. Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer, the greatest rivalry in golf history. And of course, Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. Here's Peyton. You're super focused and you can't prepare enough because you know it's going to be dog fight. I mean, I've always felt like it was a pretty good two-headed monster coming at me between, you know, arguably one of, <laughs> one of the best coaches of all time and certainly a great defensive coach. And then Tom, you know, uh, at the quarterback position. So uh, um, it was it was always tough. And so, yeah, you, you grinded to get ready for that game because uh, you knew you had to be on top of your stuff. Brady versus Manning is the best rivalry in NFL history. All right, guys, back now with journalist, author, and podcast host of The Goat, Tom Brady, Gary Myers. Find him on Twitter at Gary Myers NY. Hearing about that relationship with McDaniels being a potential, you know, contributor to that decision was was a little bit surprising. And and honestly, Gary, with with the Buccaneers sitting at seven and five and kind of underperforming in a lot of people's eyes right now, including Tom himself and Bruce Arians, uh, there have been some people who kind of rumbled about whether or not Bruce Arians is the right coach. Uh, for this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team and, and to lead Tom Brady in this roster into the future. And then they've speculated that Josh McDaniels could be a uh, a replacement considered if the Buccaneers do move on from Bruce Arians. Now, personally, I don't really think the Buccaneers are considering moving on from Bruce, but from what I'm gathering from your reports and from all this other information is that Josh McDaniels probably isn't going to be a target as a replacement, even if the team does decide to move on from BA. Well, I will, I will say that I was actually thinking about that the other day um, as all this, Brady versus Arians, uh, all these stories have, have seemed to pick up a lot of momentum. And I was wondering if, if that would be a spot that Josh could wind up in. Now, I think Josh is the head coach 
would have a much different working relationship with Tom than Josh did as an offensive coordinator because Josh was taking his direction from Belichick. And Belichick, you know, this person, my, my source had told me that, you know, perhaps it was Belichick knowing that Tom wasn't going to be playing that past 2019 that had actually directed uh, McDaniels to, to back off with Brady and not give him as much input as he had in the past. And if, okay. if that was the case, um, then I, I can actually, I, I can actually see the two of them hooking up again in, in Tampa. If, if the bucks move on from Arians, cause I just think that 95% of the McDaniels Brady relationship was really positive all those years. Um, and that if they hit a bump in the road in 2019 because of extenuating circumstances, you know, in terms of how long Tom was going to stay there, um, I, I could I could see that working. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into the whole Arians Brady uh, relationship in our conversation here, David. And you know, just quickly, my my feeling is if you're going to if you're going to go out and signed the greatest quarterback of all time, who's been to nine Super Bowls and won six of them, and has pretty much played in the same offense for 20 years, then when you, when you sign him, then you buy into everything he's doing. And that means running his offense, because why else would you want him uh, except to implement the offense that's made him so successful? He's won a heck of a lot more games than Bruce Arians has. And if Bruce wasn't willing to completely adapt his offense to Tom, then they just shouldn't have signed him. But to try to make Tom into a long ball thrower, which he's, you know, a, a down the field passing game guy, which he has never been. And it's not because of lack of arm strength. It's just not his game. His game has always been 20 yards from the line of scrimmage inside the numbers. And to turn him into somebody who's throwing constantly down the field, well, you're seeing the results of that. You know, his completion percentage down the field is horrendous. And why maybe during the bye week here, they're going to adapt with self-scouting and finally transition into what Tom does best. Uh, you talk about how the struggle to get playing time in Michigan really helped him grow the chip that he still carries on his shoulder to this day. Uh, some Bucks fans are skeptical about his coming to Tampa in the first place, uh, based mostly on his age. Now, with some of the struggles we've seen from those the, that Buccaneers offense, as we've been talking about, uh, those concerns are coming up again. For, from knowing how Brady got to where he was before the season, what is it that you can tell fans of the Buccaneers who are watching Tom Brady with this Buccaneers team to maybe give them an inkling as to where the success can come from this last quarter of the season? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would just say that he's not going through anything now in terms of a challenge getting a team into the playoffs that he hasn't faced before. Um now, I know that New England dominated the AFC East for two decades, but there were, there were a couple of times where they had to play really well down the stretch, and especially to gain momentum going into the playoffs. Now, I've seen most of their games this year, and clearly to me he hasn't played as well as he has, you know, even two, three years ago. But I, I, I don't know how much of that I attribute to, to his age and or how much I attribute to like we talked about the offense. 
because he, he certainly has dynamic skill position players. I mean, this is the best group of skill position players he's had since 2007 when he had Randy Moss and, and Wes Welker, and they went undefeated in the regular season. I mean, these guys, he can't complain about not having skill guys. Um, they have a very good running back that I think is underutilized. Um, so w- what I would say is if Bruce Arians is flexible and he wants to really take advantage of having Tom Brady, then they're using these two weeks between games to say, okay, uh, I love the no risk it, no biscuit approach, but it doesn't fit what this quarterback does best. Let's give it to him now to decide exactly what we want to do. I know Bruce has made some comments that Tom's input is nobody really knows how much he really is in, has input because he, he's claims between series, he's picking out the plays for the next series. But I, I think the two weeks gives him time to really make a transition to what Tom does best. And if they're able to do that, then they, they don't have a difficult last four weeks. They can get to 11 wins and, you know, perhaps get the number five seed, which would allow them to play the winner of the NFC East, um, which may not wind up with more than six wins and, and get on a run for the playoffs. Tom has never um, made the playoffs. Uh, made, I'm sorry, made the Super Bowl uh, as a wild card team. He's never even made the playoffs as a wild card on a wild card team. Um, so he's used to getting that first round by for the most part uh, and playing a couple of home playoff games. So this will be a new challenge, trying to win three on the road to bring it back home for the Super Bowl. But if they can get on a run here the last month of the season, then I wouldn't rule them out by any means of staying hot in the playoffs and, and making it to the Super Bowl. But you, you need to see that change starting the, you know, in their first game back against Minnesota. And then Gary getting into his career as as your as your series gets deeper and deeper into Tom Brady's uh, career, you also get into his relationship with several people in and around the New England Patriots, but also with Peyton Manning. And of course, there's a rivalry there that everybody knows about. You wrote the book on it, literally. Uh, but then in in the interviews that you share, they also talk about the friendship. And and in your, in your experience, how rare is it to have that sort of rivalry and friendship? You know, and I draw this comparison, David, that in all the years at Elway and Marino uh, played at the same time. You know, they came into the league in 83 and Elway played through 98 and Dan played one more year, but they only met each other. They only played against each other three times. I mean, think about that. I mean, three times in, in the 16 years that they both played, you know, the same from, from 83 to 98, um, the 16 years, they only played three times and, th- and two of them came in Elway's final season. So what has made this rivalry so compelling is not only two of the all-time greats playing in the same era, but then facing each other 17 times and um, five of them coming in the playoffs. So just the fact that their careers ran side by side and their stories were so different, you know, Peyton almost – you know, Peyton being born into football rivalry, um, I'm sorry, royalty with, uh, you know, Archie being his dad and, and Tom taking a, you know, a much bumpier road to where he is today, being a sixth round pick and being seventh on the depth chart when he got to Michigan and, 
on his freshman high school team. He didn't even get to take it a snap at quarterback, even though the team didn't win a game. Um, so, you know, having them play at the same time and then having playing against each other so often um, is really unique. And, you know, I've been asked many times, you know, is there another, you know, Manning uh, Brady rivalry that you can predict might happen? And, you know, I think it takes two quarterbacks who play in the same conference because at least then with the schedule, with the formula scheduling, they can play each other every year if they keep finishing in first place. But, you know, then you also need to have some playoff matchups. You know, maybe it's going to be Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something like that, um, that develops over the years. But um, there, there's never been anything like Brady versus Manning. And the fact that they are genuinely good friends uh, is a point that I really tried to bring out in the book and in this podcast that a lot of people are not aware of. It, it went way beyond them just shaking hands after the game, which obviously has become a controversy with Tom this year, shaking the other quarterback's hand after the game or not shaking his hand. But um, they they did socialize in the offseason. They played a lot of golf when Tom had a house in California um, and was out there with his wife. Peyton was in California vacationing with his wife and Tom had them over for dinner and they sat for four hours. I mean, can you imagine – being a fly on the wall at that dinner. I mean, that would be <laughs> fascinating to listen to that conversation. So uh, their, their friendship is real. Joined here today on the Locks on Bucks podcast by Gary Myers, the host of the GOAT, Tom Brady. And in a moment, we're going to dive into some of Gary's experiences covering Brady and what it might mean moving forward as he works towards getting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers into the postseason. That's coming up on our final segment this week here on the Locked on Bucks podcast. All credit to Belichick for being the one to draft him and develop him and install the perfect system to help him win six Super Bowls. But nobody comes off as a genius here when the GOAT is passed over 198 times. The Patriots saved him from a life as an insurance salesman. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But with ticks off Pioli, who joined Belichick exiting the Jets three months before they drafted Brady, How so many people have abused the privilege of revisionist history and claim they were part of Team Brady all along. In this clip, although Pioli doesn't name Michigan coach Lloyd Carr, that's clearly who he's referring to when he talks about Michigan. It's amazing the number of stories that I hear now of how many people love Tommy coming out, but for whatever reason, they weren't in a position to take him. And you know, hearing some of the people that were with him at Michigan and how highly they thought yeah. of them and without naming names, uh, because I don't want to do that specifically to one person. So I guess revisionist history is amazing because there's a lot of people that have inserted themselves into Tommy's football life story in order to give themselves credibility. Back now to wrap up our conversation with Gary Myers on Twitter at Gary Myers NY. Brady mentions at one point that each game hangs on just a couple plays uh, and that determines who wins and loses based mm-hmm. on which way those plays go. For me, I look directly to that interception thrown off of a Chiefs defender's helmet. When you look at the Bucks and, and, and what Tom Brady are now doing and to, to, to try to get that one or two plays to go their way, what stands out uh, about that's not getting them those one or two plays that were getting him those one or two plays in New England? Well, I, mean, I think the easy answer would be 
you know, familiarity with his receivers uh, because as, as hard as these guys are working, there was no off season except for those couple of times that Tom ill-advisedly, I might say, got together with his receivers during a pandemic, which is a whole other story. But, you know, he was trying to make up for lost time by, by doing that. I, I, I actually have to admit, I'm, I'm surprised that, that so many of these mistakes that he's making seem to be from a lack of familiarity with, say, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, um, um, Cameron Brait. Obviously, he's played with Gronk before. He played a little bit with Antonio Brown in, in New England, but certainly not a lot. Um, these guys are all veteran players, and I, I thought they'd be more on the same page um, at, at this point in the season than, than they appear to be because a, a lot of the mistakes seem to be Tom expecting the receiver to go one way on an adjustment and, and the receiver is thinking something different. Um, but a lot of the mistakes I, I just see, you know, Tom dropping back five steps and just chucking it down the field, which is nothing that he, is not a part of his game that has ever, you know, been a reason for their success. I mean, he would go long to Randy Moss because, you know, Randy Moss was probably the best deep receiver of this era, but, you know, most of his, he did most of his business, you know, in the short passing game. And um, so I, I think that once he becomes comfortable with that, and I think he likes play action, he likes players, he, he likes when receivers are in motion because not only does it confuse the defense, but it also, it helps him see what the defense, how they're adjusting. And he exploits matchups constantly. And I just don't see this offense allowing him to do that kind of on the fly, which is what he's always been great at. It just seems they're coming to the line. They're getting set at the line of scrimmage. Nobody's moving. The, the defense gets set. And now he's trying. Now everybody's got to win their matchups rather than, you know, scheming them open, if that makes sense. Right. And um, so I see that's an area that they really need to improve on over the last four weeks. Gary, obviously Tom Brady has stood out in your career, uh, but let's, let's take Brady out of this next question. And, and even let's take Peyton Manning out of it for the sake of conversation. Uh, besides those two guys, who, who's a player or a coach that really stands out in your career? Um, that's actually an easy question for me because there, there are two coaches that I've covered that um, are just head and shoulders um, above everybody else. And, you know, I spent eight years in Dallas and I'm from New York, but I went to Dallas for eight years and it was the last eight years of Tom Landry's um, coaching career. And, you know, my perception of him before I moved to Dallas was like most people who followed football closely that he was, a, you know, detached and dispassionate and, and uh, cold man. But I found him to be just a complete opposite. And I really enjoyed being around him. And I learned a lot about football by being around him. And I learned a lot about how to treat people by observing him. And then, uh, and I had tremendous admiration for him. Now I was tough on him in the paper because the last few years, the Cowboys were not very successful. And it looked to me like um, the Cowboys would be better off moving on from him after 29 years, which is 
you know, what happened when the team was sold and Jimmy Johnson became the coach. But um, then the other guy is Bill Parcells, who mm-hmm. I know Buck fans don't have a warm spot in their heart for Bill <laughs> since he pretty much accepted the job twice. Yeah. And, you know, two, two different opportunities and changed his mind both times. But I've had a, a long relationship with Bill, probably 40 years. And uh, I actually talked to him this week and I, I stay in touch with him. And I just really, really enjoyed being around Bill. I, his press conferences you, were very entertaining. I think the thing that really made him special was um, just a tremendous feel that he had for his team and, and, and how to get the most out of him, how to push buttons. You know, whether it was Lawrence Taylor or the last guy in the roster, he knew them all so well and what made them tick and, and how to motivate them and, and get them to play their best. He was just like the master psychologist. And I, I see a lot of that in, in Sean Payton in New Orleans, um, who learned under Parcells for, uh, I think, three years or so in, in Dallas. And I know that they're still very, very close. And Sean calls Bill all the time. So I see a lot of Bill in, in Sean, but, and it, a lot of, you know, you hear like the Belichick assistants all try to be like Belichick. That's why they fail. Um, the, the one guy out of all the, the Belichick and um, Parcells coaching trees that is most like their mentor is in Sean, is Sean Payton. And he's been very successful with it, but I really, I really like being around Bill. Um, I didn't like the way, he left some teams sometime, you know, during the course of his career. It never seemed like um, it was a smooth exit. And then, obviously, I didn't like what he did to the Bucks. I remember Hugh Coverhouse saying he felt like he was left at the altar. Right. Um, that was, I think, that was in '92, maybe. Um, and then he did it again um, in the early 2000s, where the, the Glazers were trying to hire him and. He changed his mind at pretty much the last minute. So I didn't like that part of his career, but just as a coach, he was fascinating to cover. Yeah. And then Gary, you've seen, uh, you've seen the beginning of, of a lot of really good careers and you've been there. Like you, like you kind of mentioned at the end of some really storied careers. I remember your story on the, on the podcast uh, from when Landry got fired and being there watching him pack up 29 years uh, from his office. And that, and that was a very uh, descriptive, a very vivid moment just from, from listening to you describe it. How does this how does this Tom Brady story end? I mean, we we've seen players ride off into the sunset, kind of like Peyton Manning with the Broncos uh, on top, and then we've seen guys change logos and kind of falter, and really everybody's kind of looking at them, waiting for it to for the suffering to kind of end, if you want to put it uh, that way. So so how do you feel like this Brady story ends? Not even so much this season, but just his career. Wow, um, he has said several times over the course of the last five or six years that he wants to play in, until he's forty five. Um, and he's 43 now, so he'll be just about 44 when the season starts next year. I think his birthday is in August. Um, I think as long as he is healthy and he feels he's playing well, that he's going to try to keep this low going as, as long as possible. Um, but I also believe he's very realistic, and he's not going to play one day longer than he thinks he can win. I don't think he'll ever look to hang on. I think he's got too much pride um, to do something like that. And I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm almost 
positive. I mean, just knowing him, he's not quitting after this season. He signed a two-year contract. I think he's going to live up to that commitment at least and then see where he is after next year. Because even if it doesn't end well for the Bucs this year, I think they have a, a built-in excuse, not that he'd be looking for excuses, but uh, a built-in excuse that, hey, they, you know, he was new to the team. They didn't have an offseason. Uh, everything seemed so rushed this year. They had the pandemic hanging over them. Um, it was just a year that almost gets an asterisk with it. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he'll definitely be back next year. And then he'll evaluate again after next year. I will say this, and this is just my opinion here totally. I think the Bucks are are where he'll finish his career, um, good or bad. I, I don't see him starting to bounce around now at the end of his career, um, like, say, Jerry Rice did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Lott bounced around a little bit. I, I don't see that. I, I think this is it for him. Um, he's going to try to make this work. He's going to try to win a Super Bowl there. I think it would mean a lot to him to win um, – Super Bowl with two different teams. It's the only thing Peyton accomplished in his career that Tom hasn't. Uh, And now Tom has that opportunity to do it. Um, Not that that, you know, matching Peyton would be the motivation, but I think he's incredibly motivated to prove that he can win without Belichick. I I think that's an incredible motivation for both of them. I I, I almost think the race is on. You know, who can win without the other first? Is it Brady or Belichick? Right now, you give the edge to, to Brady just in terms of being able to have success. But in terms of winning a Super Bowl, who knows if either one of them is going to win one without the other. Right. Uh, and Gary, we're 10 episodes into the series right now. Uh, every single one of them is, has been thoroughly enjoyable. Um, I personally am, am very appreciative that you've taken under taken this task uh, to, to, pu- to publication. And you've been completing this a must listen, I would say, for any football fan, not just Bucks, Patriots, Brady fans, like any football fan. I mean, there's so many layers to this story and so many other players uh, in, involved that it's just it's very interesting stuff to listen to. Where else can our listeners and my readers over at SB Nation find what you've been doing and are doing? They can find the podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts and then Diversion Podcasts, or you can just Google um my name and the, the GOAT podcast, but I'd lo- I wish I can tell you the book that I'm writing right now, but um, for various reasons, uh, I can't go public with it yet, but I have a book that's going to be coming out around the start of the football season next year. And certainly when I'm able to announce it, you know, um, if you're interested in talking about it, I'd love to come back and talk to you. Absolutely. For next week, I'm doing an extra, like we're calling it a bonus episode of the Brady podcast where I'm really going to discuss everything that's happened to the Bucks up until this point. And then people can also just follow me on Twitter. It's at Gary Myers, NY. And my last name is spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Absolutely. And guys, again, that's he's Gary Myers, journalist, author of many books, host creator of the version podcast and iHeartRadio's The Goat, Tom Brady. Again, on any podcast platform you subscribe to, you can find that. Highly recommend that you do. And then on Twitter at Gary Myers. And why, Gary, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I look forward to talking to you again. Hey, David, I just want to tell you one other thing. I, I do have a Hall of Fame vote. I've okay. had that for 10 or 11 years. And I just want the Buck fans to know that I have been supporting Rondé Barber and John Lynch. I mean, John's been a finalist so many years in a row now. Right. Uh, 
And I'm hoping this is the year. I hope it's also the year for Rondé because I, those guys are so important to that dominant defense of the Bucks. Yeah. Uh, in and around the years that they won the Super Bowl, that uh, I think they both need to be rewarded. So I, w- I want the Buck fans to know that I I do support those players. Absolutely, and I guarantee you that Buccaneers fans are are elated to hear you say something like that. They've been hoping and praying for a long time that both of those guys. Uh, get their their deserved attention. Uh, appreciate your time, Gary. All right, take care. Thanks for having me on, David. And this has been the Locked On Bucks podcast. Once again, I'm David Harrison, staff writer at SB Nation's BucksNation.com and one of your hosts here at the show, James Yarko, will be back next week. Find him on Twitter at jyarko underscore bucks. Find me at dharrison82. Find Bucks Nation at bucks underscore nation. And find the show at Locked On Bucks. Like I said, James and I will be back on Monday to update the playoff race, how it pertains to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before we start to dive into Tampa Bay Buccaneers week four opponent, the Minnesota Vikings. Until then, enjoy your weekend, everyone. Be safe. Be good to one another. Wash your hands. And thank you so much for joining me right here at Locked On Bucks.